how would you describe the yak in a single sentence? Ah, that's so hard. <laughs> oh. Mm. Mm. Man, a single sentence. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, the yak. Well, first off, it's unlike any other place I've ever been. Um, I feel like the Yak Valley is a gem in the Kootenai, Kootenai National Forest. Um, it's a gem in the Northwest. It's a, a place that still holds solitude and wild areas that are full of these amazing creatures and um, clean waterways and fresh air. And uh, it's just, it's wild. It's wild up here. And I love it. Located in the extreme northwest corner of Montana, the Yak Valley is home to some of the most rugged, roadless territory in the lower 48. Back to the land communes, and if you trust local rumors, more than a few members of the Witness Protection Program. It's 97% public land, with a different breed of people inhabiting the remaining 3%. The act might be the closest one can come, in the lower 48, to living in complete harmony with nature. Of course, that harmony doesn't come without its difficulties. But as you'll hear from our guest this week, for a certain type of person, there's no place better. They're so special, and they need to be here, and we need to make sure we do the work to protect them, because what I've experienced in there... It's, it's almost unexplainable. To get that perspective, I'll be talking with Ashley South. Ashley and her husband Anthony live off the grid in a tiny house in the heart of the Yak. Unlike many that moved to the Yak to get away from it all, Ashley grew up there and made the decision to stay. Her story is one of discovery, appreciation, and most of all, home. I'm Henry Jordan, and this is Your Wild Place. My name is Ashley South, and I work for the Yak Valley Forest Council, um, located in northwest Montana, right in the Yak Valley. And I am the office manager here, and I'm also a part-time field crew tech. So in the summer, I get to do a lot of field crew stuff outside. And then my husband, Anthony, also works for the Yak Valley Forest Council, and he is the field crew leader. Um, so he's involved in all the stuff in the field. So he handles map making and clearing trail and collecting data, um, that kind of stuff. It's a pretty cool gig. <laughs> Ashley has lived near Troy, Montana for almost her entire life. I was curious how her family came to call Troy home. So my grandpa was in the Korean War and he grew up in Bonners Ferry, just right across the Idaho border. And uh, he was over in Korea for quite a few years um, during that period of time. And he fell in love and met my grandmother over there, who is Korean. And they met in Seoul, uh, South Korea. And um, my grandma ended up coming to the U.S. and getting her citizenship here. And uh, as soon as that happened, they 
bought some land out on Swanson Lodge Road, um, just below Grand Bower Mountain um, on the north side of the cabinets. And so that's kind of where I grew up, in, right in that area, right below the Cabinet Mountains. So that was a really neat area. Um, and then they had two children, my uncle and my mom. And then from that point on, they started having kids, and I'm one of three. And then I have tons of cousins um, living in a small town. Seems like you're related to everybody, which I'm sure you kind of know what that's like. Um, in a connected way, uh, you know everybody. You go to the store, and you could sit in the store for two hours just talking to people you know. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit about how my grandparents came to be here. And then my mother and my uncle decided to stay here as well. Um, my uncle went to the Army and then came back and had his kids here. And uh, my mom, she just she loved it here and never wanted to leave. Uh, she went to Washington for a little while when she met my dad. And then my mom and I ended up moving back to Montana, to her hometown. I was just outside playing in the dirt and I had all my cousins here. So it was like, to me, it was like the best time ever. <laughs> and that's my first real experience going camping and uh, fishing and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of like, as a child, I just grew up being outside all the time. Uh, and my grandparents were really big into gardening and hunting, um, picking mushrooms. They lived off the land a lot. So I was always hanging out with them doing, oh, geez, everything. <laughs> they uh, picked berries part time and did a lot of agriculture stuff um, for replanting on the Kootenai National Forest. And, and so that was really fun because I got to learn a, a lot about plants, um, animals and uh, just, you know, the different seasons that come here, uh, they're, they all seem pretty dramatic and I'm glad that I have got to be a part of each and every season, um, growing up because they're, they're all so valuable. Sounds like a pretty idyllic childhood. It made me wonder how Ashley's relationship to the outdoors changed as she grew up and made the decision to stay in her hometown. Right after high school, I... I went to school in Libby at the college for just a little while. Um, and so I, I wasn't ready to go to a big university. Um, it felt like to me and I had already gained some college credits in high school. So I thought, Hey, I'll just do my first two years in Libby and then maybe go to university after that. Um, well, I did a little schooling in Libby and I didn't feel like it was right for me at the time. And so I ended up just doing um, a whole, almost a whole year in the backcountry with Anthony uh, when I ended up leaving school. And so we pretty much just stayed in the Cabinet Mountains and traveled around Montana to different wilderness areas. And um, that's when I really started falling in love with, with the backcountry, um, with kind of the wildness of the area we live in. It kind of opened my eyes. Uh, to what was really here and what surrounded me because I felt like when I was in high school um, I'd go camping with my family things like that throughout my my school years but I didn't have that connectedness like I do now um, and I felt like it's because I needed to go out and experience it for myself and when I did there was no turning back <laughs> I've had within wilderness areas have changed my life forever um, the solitude that it brings, uh, the natural beauty that you couldn't even imagine being on the planet. 
um, the, when you enter into a wilderness area, it's almost as if you're a guest there. Um, it comes with respect and uh, dignity. And in a way, you're not at the top of the food chain anymore when you enter a wilderness area. And that feels freeing, really freeing to me in a way. Um, a real connectedness to the landscape um, in a spiritual way, uh, in a healing way. Um, to seek refuge for your mind and your body and your soul. Uh, wilderness areas are, they're so special and they need to be here and we need to make sure we do the work to protect them because what I've experienced in there, it's, it's almost unexplainable. Well put. I wanted to hear if there were any specific stories that Ashley had from her adventures during this time in her life. My first winter trip up Grand Bower comes to mind. That was one big trip that will sit with me forever. Um, so Grand Bower Peak uh, is, it's, man, it makes you respect the mountain. It makes you respect every step you take up that trail. <laughs> um, and we did it in the midwinter uh, on snowshoes. We hiked all the way up to the wilderness sign and made uh, camp that first night. I think it was maybe it was below 10 degrees and we dug out snow trenches and set up uh, our bivvies in those snow trenches and had zero degree bags and and we slept through the night up there. Um, when I woke up in the morning, my my boots were frozen solid. And so I had to just try super hard to get my foot in my boot and and heat it up. And I knew the only way to stay warm was just to move. <laughs> and then we we took the rest of the next day summiting the mountain and then uh, and then went all the way back down on our snowshoes. And and that was an experience I'll never uh, forget. And Anthony, he got up and made tea and made breakfast. And I was just wondering, like, whoa, are we going to get off this mountain? And, and sure enough, we worked together and encouraged each other. And, uh, man, it was, it was quite the journey. And, um, we'd like to do that more in the winter because, you know, winter camping is something worth experiencing and, and up in those tall peaks in the wilderness area, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it at all. Um, it's like magic. Most people don't get to experience that. And so, um, while we're young, we're going to make sure to get back up in those mountains in the snow because you don't get to experience that very often, especially staying in the valleys and stuff. To give a little context, Grand Barra Mountain forms the northernmost tip of the Cadman Mountain Wilderness Area. It overlooks Troy and provides an imposing backdrop to the town. A winter hike to this peak is quite the adventure. Ashley's stories clearly demonstrate a love for the outdoors, and this obviously had an impact on the work she does now. We're in the back country in the Scotchman Peaks, the West Cabinets, and we were doing a lot of stuff over there. And we had met Sandy Compton. And uh, he is a sweet talker, I tell you. Um, we started doing some volunteer days and getting to notice the Scotchlands a little bit more and more. And um, started doing, you know, volunteer boothing and um, helped out on trails and did um, some conservation ed stuff. And then found out that we really like it. And uh, there, there's an attachment to the conservation work that protects all these, these beautiful wild areas. And we wanted to protect these beautiful wild areas. Um, 
we wanted them to be there for future generations and, and knowing there's clean water and knowing that, that there's still solitude in the world. And um, we found out that, you know, working in conservation is one of the, the main ways that you're able to do that and contribute in such a huge way um, to saving wild places. I felt like the work I was doing um, and the life that we were living, it, it was right. It felt right at the time, I, I, like a gut feeling or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about, you know, leaving or moving or, you know, buying land maybe somewhere else. And um, it's just never kind of fruition yet, those plans or anything, because we keep falling in love with the area we live in because it's so vast that every time we go somewhere new, it's like falling in love all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, there's the whole piece for me of community. And so since I've been here most of my life, I, I have a very deep roots here. And um, I think that's a big reason why I haven't quite left yet is I'm pretty close to all the people I know. And a lot of my family's here. Um, Anthony's pretty much his whole family's here too. And so that also roots us here. Um, it just seems like we don't feel like we need to look for anything else right now for fulfilling our lives that we kind of are in a good place. And um, we feel like, like this is home. Speaking of home, Ashley and Anthony live in a tiny house with no electricity, plumbing, or modern convenience. When we ended up getting our property in the Yak, it's about one acre. And we knew that that's all we needed because it was small enough for us to maintain that it was it was not going to be a huge impact on the landscape. We wanted to be really conscious about our, you know, our carbon footprint and and living in the Yak Valley, knowing it's a special place and um, trying not to leave our mark on it, I guess. And so when we're gone, then that land can go back to hopefully a natural state to what it was in. Um, first off, I guess. And so when we first moved up into the Yak Valley, about, this will be the seventh year. Yeah, we just went through our seventh winter um, up here. Well, when we first moved up here, uh, it was just, is bare land. And so we, you know, cleared out a little area for our house that we wanted to have, very small. Um, And at the time, we ended up living in uh, an Airstream. (laughs) <laughs> for our first uh, winter up in the Yak. Um, we lived in the Airstream for two years, and uh, we ended up getting it from Anthony's Uncle Jerry, and he lived down in Troy. Um, and and we pulled that Airstream up there, and uh, geez, Wait, it was in how the, did you heat? The, like, how did you heat? How did you just not freeze to death? That's that's the next part. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up moving up here in September. And, uh, you know, we, we had the Airstream. We had it all set up. And um, and it was great through September. It was a little rainy, a little damp. And once it started getting a little bit colder, we realized that, hey, uh, we're going to, you know, maybe need to hook up some heat in here. And, and so we hooked up a propane heater. And uh, we found out when you just have a propane heater it it fills up the whole place with condensation um like if it's not vented properly that kind of thing and so everything ended up getting moist we couldn't heat it 
up, we heat it, could heat it up to 50 degrees and then we had to shut it off because then everything would just get wet. The walls would, you know, get damp and stuff in there. And uh, we were like, oh, what the heck? We have to do something different. So about October, Anthony's uncle Jerry, who had the Airstream said that, oh, you know, I used to live in that Airstream and uh, I just built an addition off the front and put a wood stove in there. That's how I stayed warm. So we were like, okay. <laughs> um, so we started building uh, this really neat little um, addition off the front. And the hardest part was lumber is straight. Airstreams are round. So we had to try to figure out how, how to build off of a round surface. <laughs> um, and Anthony did an amazing job. I'm going to say he totally like took that project on. Um, and at the time I was, I was doing this nannying job. Um, so I was taking care of a bunch of these kids in between uh, school and, and the conservation jobs that I'm now in. And uh we had to buy our stove link every time I got paid in pieces. And so by the last time we got our last piece of stove pipe, we lit our first fire December 2nd and there was snow on the ground and our pillows were frozen to the wall and, and we were sleeping in our zero degree sleeping bags with our dog in the middle. So she'd stay warm <laughs> and, and with the condensation before the fire, all of our clothes were frozen together. <laughs> oh, it was a wild, wild trip for us. Um, and if it wasn't for our family, you know, supporting us and helping us and, you know, that kind of thing, I don't know where we would have been, but, uh, we toughed it out and the experience was worthwhile. We learned so much and, uh, living in a vintage Airstream is, is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but you know, everything is vinyl and, uh, kind of old and riveted together. <laughs> so by our second winter, we decided in the spring, we're going to pull the Airstream away uh, and then we're going to build our little cabin. And so when we pulled the Airstream away, we had the the structure left that we built and um, that had our wood stove in it. Well, we called that half home and we lived in that for the rest of that summer until about the next fall. And Anthony had been working on field crew by then. Um, and so what we did, we just had a piece of plywood up over the wall. And it was nice enough all, all summer that we just left the side of the house open and just lived in that little tiny area. Um, and then the the micro cabin came. So we had our half a home that we lived in for that summer. And um, it was so nice that we just left it open and just stayed in that side um, and went to work, you know, had everything in there. And that was um, a pretty small space. And that following fall, we built the other half of the home. So we had a tiny cabin at that point and we call it the micro cabin. And um, it's built a lot like a lookout cabin. And that kind of inspired us to stay with that theme with the big windows around the edges. Uh, you have your wood stove in one corner, your bed in the other and your kitchen in the other corner. Um, so it was a, a good little space for us to be in and, and it was all ours. But a big reason also why we wanted to, to stay small is, again, for the impact reasons. Um, we had a chance to build a, you know, a giant house, three stories high, uh, you know, dream big, that kind of thing. And to us, we, we don't need a lot to be okay. We live a really simple life. Um, and living in a tiny house gives you more opportunity to be outside. And so we 
love the outdoors anyway. And so we wanted to be outside and we are outside all the time, you know, rain, snow or shine. We have activities in every season and every weather. And so the tiny cabin's great because you just get to, you know, go back, have a, a fire that heats the whole place like super quickly really efficient um you know you get to sleep there eat there and then you go outside and have fun and so it's like the perfect little place um and where we're located we're located right where the 17 mile creek comes out of um the two roadless areas so we live like right in between so there's like saddle mountain on one side and then there's like Roderick on the other. And so we live pretty much right in between that. And we have access to these wild areas right from our back door. And so that was really important for us um, to incorporate that into our lifestyle. And uh, along with Tiny Cabin, we wanted to be off the grid. So we don't have any power. Um, we don't have, you know, like the running water. We don't have washer, dry, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, amenities, the comfort amen amenities, really. But in an amazing way we just we adjusted so well to like camping and and being outside all the time that it just seemed natural and normal to live that way and so it just clicked and we just don't need a lot we just live a super simple life and um it's it's neat because it's possible and it's a choice to make and a lifestyle choice and um it's possible for so many people you describe the yak in a single sentence? Ah, that's so hard. <laughs> oh, um. The experience in there, it's, it's almost unexplainable. Because I needed to go out and experience it for myself. And when I did, there was no turning back. <laughs> I've had, within wilderness areas, have changed my life forever. Um, the solitude that it brings, uh, the natural beauty that you couldn't even imagine being on the planet. And up in those tall peaks in the wilderness area, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it at all. Um, it's like magic. the quiet I love the solitude I love just the small little little life that we have in that way and and it is freeing it is super freeing to live a simple life because then you have more time and you have more ability to do the things that you love because it's your one life and you want to make as little of impact as possible but have as many experiences and memories that you could fit in Thanks for listening to Your Wild Place, presented by Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. For more information about the Friends, visit our website, scotchmanpeaks.org. This episode was sponsored by Yak Valley Forest Council and featured Ashley South, the Yak Valley Forest Council office manager. Find out more at yakvalley.org.
This episode was edited by Ray Brown. Theme music was written and performed by Ben Olson and Katie Archer. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to Your Wild Place wherever you listen to podcasts.